when you get past like the third or fourth key change, as long as asking for you to be goofy, like, yeah, that's true. Because we're beyond being serious, <laughs> right? Clearly. Well, because th- there's that weird time. I think, I think key change like four through seven. Y- you maybe find yourself wondering, like, huh, th- is this tasteful or necessary? <laughs> right, right. What an interesting choice. But then you get to eight, and you're like, oh, oh, I see what. Oh, we're like doing this. Okay. And yeah. you get to 10, you're like, let's go. And you get to 12 and you're like, yes! <laughs> you know, that's, that's me at least. That's, that was my journey. It does quickly go from interesting to do we like this to legendary in the span of Legendary. Welcome back to We Love That. I'm Kenyon. I'm Jerome. And this week on the podcast, we have a very special guest. It is Matt Goldstein, who is here to talk all things circle singing and collaboration and conducting and facilitating and arranging. And wait till you hear about the arrangements we talk about in this episode. <laughs> immediately making me laugh um hey there you it's good to be back today <laughs> it's always good to be back and we're always back back always back back returning. again this is after all february's return february's return <laughs> um and you know not february when this goes up but that's Slay. <laughs> that's funny um and, you know, it's also Slay, our guest. We have a guest today. <laughs> um, Our guest today is, uh, I mean, talk about a multi-hyphenate, you know, because you have to hyphenate all the different things that one is, and he is many. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to say them now. The things okay, that, let me that strap in. Okay. Um, our guest today is a singer, an arranger, a composer, a music director, a conductor, an educator, a facilitator of space. He is based here in New York City. I've we've just learned recently that he's from Sharon, Massachusetts. Okay, so get into that. Um, I met him through his work with Gaia Music Collective, which we will certainly talk much about today. Um, but a a community of musicians and artists and people in New York. Uh, making music together, performing music for each other, like making space for people to come together and be uh, parts of a community together, a music community. Kenyon, have you ever been part of a music community? <laughs> Never heard of that. Don't know what that means. Well, we're going to find out today okay, great. with our guest, Matt Goldstein. Woo! Hello, hello. So glad to be here, y'all. Hello. We are so Welcome. glad to have you. This is so much fun. I even as we were leading up to this, I was like laughing more than I should have. So this is gonna be good. <laughs> mm, don't say that. That's exactly as much as you should have been laughing more. <laughs> <laughs> laughing quota met. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we thought we'd start off by just like diving in, diving right in, and playing a little game. Mm-hmm. A little I love to know a game. Game. Um, <laughs> or they're surrounding what you like to listen to. So yes. Mm. This is music related. 
And the premise here is like, give us your first, your first reaction. Give us your first, the first thing that you think of. Okay. We're going to ask you to like list some songs and you're going to tell us what comes to mind first. Okay. Um, Okay. So easy one. What is the last song that you listened to? What is the last song I listened to? Um, The last song that I remember queuing up was a song called Secret Garden by Aurora. I've listened Ooh. to it perhaps millions of times. Can't get enough. Aurora. Okay, Wait, I, Kenyon, we're going to comment on each of these things. <laughs> we it's are. Gonna we're going to have to. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I just, ha- that's like, I've never heard of the band or, or the person. The I don't even know. Or I've never heard of Aurora until the last week when now I've heard of <gasps> this group, this person. I still don't know. Like three times, back to Whoa. back to back. Um, so I guess that's a sign. Aurora okay, is in the I, air. Aurora is in Frozen 2, right? My Aurora film. is the um the like high soprano the voice, the voice yes. of the mystical glacier. Wow. Yes. Okay, okay, love so that. I already love her work. <laughs> yeah, like Norwegian fairy princess. Okay, so brilliant. Cool. Um next song or next question. What song puts you in like a silly goofy hee hee ha ha mood? Ooh. Um do you guys know the song In the Sanctuary? No. Like, it is, it's a gospel it go? song. It's like seven. We lift our hands in the, in the sanctuary. sanctuary. Yeah. We lift our hands. Um, it is epic, epic gospel song. It's like seven minutes long and it has 12 modulations. So yes. by the time you get to the end, you've <laughs> key changed so far that you're back to the original key. And it, it has like fake endings. It has drama. It oh, has everything. That. Wait, Jerome, you don't know this song? I don't think so. I really feel like I it may. would be in our shared vernacular. And I feel okay. you on those, like, on the false endings. For the rest of our day. <laughs> oh, of course I know this. And yes. Then- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, oh. As you were describing it, I'm like, wait, this feels like that song. And you have it for the rest of our days. <laughs> oh, you know it. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. Wow. And it belongs in our um, playlist of of songs with really important key changes. We have to add that. Oh, that's true. Mm. Ooh. We have a whole theory around key changes. And I think this one would be a... Um, a ratchet, I think. A ratchet. Because it it just, just keeps... Just, click, you just click, keep click, click, clicking up. Right. Well, some of, them, some of them you could say, no, they're all ratchets. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question. What is the first thing you play to start the party? I want to dance with somebody. Oh, it's just, I keep searching for, I think about this a lot when I'm like at a a little social gathering at like a big after party for one of the Gaia events. I'm like, what are the songs that the, the, the most amount of people in this room will get hype about? And I'm always trying to find out. I'm curious what your thoughts are in this, but I want to dance with somebody also all night long, big, big hit. What do you guys think? I think Whitney's the way to go. I would probably put on, um, like so emotional or something. No, I honestly what I would put on is um Don't Stop the Music by Rihanna. Uh, like that's mm, mm, like yeah. get on that's a floor filler, as they say. That's like get on the floor by J Lo. Kenyon, what would you say? I'm a big Earth Wind and Fire fan. And Ooh. so I probably would do something like September or Let's Groove. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I wanna go good. to this party. All this collective party. <laughs> We've got to make it happen. Okay. What's a song that makes you feel motivated? 
you turn it on and you're like, I've got, I'm going to do it. Whatever it is, I'm doing it. Hmm. <laughs> a good question. Motivated. The song that comes to mind right now is Number One Fan by Muna. Ooh. Just like, I, this is actually the first Muna song that I knew. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. And it was kind of just like a one-off, like, here's this cool song. And not even like, it was later that I was like, wait, I already know a song by Muna and it's Number One Fan. Yeah. It's just like, it's poppy synth pop at its best. It's gay. It's believe in yourself. It's, it's good shit. And I need that. Um, what's a song that makes you feel very nostalgic? Mm. I'm going to go with Muna again. I can't stop. Yeah. I can't get enough. I know a place. It's, um, it's been like an anthem through so many different times in my life. When I was in, I was in this singing group called Hannah Sound, and it really reminded me of feeling at home and feeling like I had people to return to when I was traveling. I would play this song, and then... Me and my friend Hannah played this on our road trip. We'd play it on our acoustic guitars for people we met. And then Guy Music Collective has been singing it at a bunch of our shows. So just like it, it carries a lot of, of connectivity through my life, that song. I love that. That's good. I, I did think about um, including in your, your multi-hyphenate Muna Stan. Yes, please. Um, and can we, editors, can we put that back at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just drag and drop and put that in. Okay, very good. Little um, robot voice. It's like hyphen it. Singer dead. Muna Stan. <laughs> <laughs> the people they'll never never tell the difference. Um, <laughs> what's a song that puts you to sleep? Mm. I'm realizing that can like sounded kind of shady. It could be like lullaby. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, it's tough. I can't really sleep to music because it mm. activates my brain too much. I get too involved, but. A song that really puts me in that kind of like restful. Mm. Uh, it's a song called "The Lake Isle" by Ooh. Ola Yelo, who's hey. a classical like hey. choral composer. Um, it's it's a combination of like choral singing, but also like folk guitar and piano, which is yeah. just really juicy. Mm. I love Kenny. You would love Ola Yelo in I a know, huge way. I know um, Ave Generosa. Nice. Um, thing. By that person. But I don't really know that person at all. So, well, I'm right to, to this it. man. Right. <laughs> the playlist that we're making right now is really good. Eclectic. Yeah. Um, and well, speaking of playlist, uh, Matt, what is the song that everyone should listen to right now? Oh, everyone should listen to the song Iron by Tennyson. T E N N Y S O N. Good Hot. song. Uh, Yes. Um, okay, did you perchance catch the Super Bowl um, catch the Super Bowl performance? Perchance I did. <laughs> okay. Favorite song in Rihanna's set list from that? Mm. Oh man. I kind of was I kind of was sent by Where Have You Been? I forgot that that totally. was like part of her legacy. And that one really sent me. But the thing that sent me the most was honestly the dance break, the like extended dance break. You know, the one where she's like slapping her butt. And, yeah. Yes. The Rude Boy, uh, the Rude Boy remix break. That yeah. was good. When okay. they're like coming down that aisle and like all the dancers are like moving out of the way. Okay. That's my final answer. That, that, that part, Rude Boy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, okay, and then last one. Here we are in in We Love That. We're in our season of return, and so which is always. And so our our final question for you: What is a song that you haven't heard in a while that is due for a return? Ooh, the song that just came to my mind is the song "Gold" from the musical Once. Ooh. It's just, re- it's warm and like full of heart and folky, lovey energy. And I haven't listened to it, to it in a while. A really beautiful violin solo in the middle. Mm. Mm. Hey. I, I That feels very astute because I have not listened to Once in a long time. Mm. But like used to like, I feel like when I was in high school, like Once was the one to listen to. What about you guys? What's a song that you haven't listened to in a while that you... Want to return? This is this is cheating a little bit, only because it it has made a return for me. But I hadn't listened to "Distance" by Emily King in a mm. long time, and well, that was a mistake because <laughs> I should be listening to it all the time. Um, it really is good. Nice, love that. I'm in a big Algero phase of like going back through I used to listen to a bunch growing up and haven't for years um, <clears throat> but his song Tomorrow Today is like it's mm, it's now time to come back to that okay yeah is this getting made into a playlist at the end of this episode oh it must because be. if not okay oh yeah those same little little editors are gonna have to tip tap type their little fingers the elves, and yeah. make <laughs> Our editor elves will be hard at work. Editor elves. Bless them. <laughs> mm, mm. Wow. I, I'm i so excited to, to keep talking with you because we got like little tidbits into your life through those songs um, and like excited to hear about Hyannis sound experience, et cetera. I'm kind of want you to take us all the way back to the beginning and like where, where does Matt as a musician come from? Where do where do you start that story? Mm. Where does Matt as a musician come from? It comes from being a kid and having my dad playing records around the house all the time. The Beatles, like classic rock bands, indie bands. He's really into he's kind of been big on tiny desk for like almost okay. 15 years now. So he's into a lot of stuff. Um my mom has a beautiful voice. She would sing in the church choir sometime, and I sang in like a kid in the little youth choir. Um, and then I really got into music when our school had auditions for High School Musical. Oh, Whoa, yeah. it was the moment. <laughs> Seventh oh, grade, yeah. 2006, honey. <laughs> um, yeah. I was cast as jock number eight and hey. <laughs> really hey, gave it my all. That's a lot of jocks. That's a, a lot cast. of jocks. A lot of jocks. Um, and then from there, that kind of led me to choir to high school and I'm just so hungry for choir, for music, for theater. So I'm in like four or five shows a year and like six ensembles oh in gosh. sophomore year start. Just like, yeah, wait, I like could not what, get enough. Like like what shows are we talking? Shows? Oh, we're yeah. talking Sweeney Todd. We're talking mm. um, Miss Saigon question mark. Ooh. We're talking um, <laughs> The Wedding Singer, uh, Assassins. <laughs> Good man, Charlie Brown. 
Oh Awakening. Literally running the gamut. I really think the the gamut of musical theater runs from <laughs> assassins to your good man Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah. And there's like some third point that's like I don't know, showboat or something. But like yes, that thank is you. The, <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the whole thing. That's, that's it. The, the boundary space. Prism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So lots of theater, and then lots of you know, choir and honors choir and magical choir and. Our, our school didn't really have an acapella group. We had a, a Glee club that had been started the year before. But I remember seeing the Warblers on Glee and being like, what's that? Like, what, what is that? <laughs> and, what are they doing? And, and like the sing-off, I think, was also big then. Yes. Um, and so I, uh, my, my homie and I, Josh Levitt, we started an acapella group called Pitch Please. Pitch Please? Pitch Come on, please. Pitch Please. And, um... And so for three years in high school, I tried my hand at arranging and leading an acapella group. And that was that was when I got hooked. Wait, mm. this mm. is so this is niche culture. There's something about right. being in <laughs> high school, like during that era of, you know, the sing off and glee and uh, et cetera. Um, and I well, here we are. Three arranging girls, three arranging divas here <laughs> on in the in the chat, um, and so I have like, give me some notable like something you arranged in high school that you're like, I would simply never do that now, but for whatever reason, and like for me. I oh, arranged yeah. um, Sing by Ed Sheeran. Now, I would not be caught dead arranging an Ed Sheeran song in the year of our Lord, 2023. And, But that was one of my best at the time. That was really quite good. Or the first thing that I ever did was a Justin Bieber medley. And I'm like, <laughs> what happened to that? Let's what, bring that back. what happened to that? Uh. <laughs> oh, my, man. Um, there was a Pirates of the Caribbean moment. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um, That's exactly with what I With full choreography. Yes. <laughs> that one really, but yes. actually I kind of stand by that because it was a crowd pleaser. Would do again. Yes. Um, wow. And then there was a really powerful mashup medley. It was, oh my God, it was Where Have You Been by Rihanna. Oh my God. Full circle. And six different Adele songs. Oh my <laughs> and, <laughs> And there was there was one there was this whole storyline. It was wow. this guy meets a girl in the club, and he was singing the Rihanna song, and this girl is singing the series of Adele songs, and there's like turmoil, also choreography, um, like four to five minutes. And at the time, I remember being like, "It's a shame we didn't enter the competition because we would have won. We would have won." <laughs> oh my um, god! I thought it was so legendary. Looking back, it's it's legendary for the context that I was experiencing at that time, I suppose. No, that's legendary to me now. Yeah. <laughs> it, what it's telling me is that you're a huge Adele fan. You said Adele. Adele, <laughs> Adele. Yeah. Link in the bio, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with like, with theater, right? With story. It's not, it's oh, not yeah. just a mashup. This is, this is drama, actually. And you're going to watch it. <laughs> actually, yeah. Now that you mention it, theater, theatricality has always been a big part of my arranging and part of like, just storytelling through music, doing something a little extra. You can really trace that that forward in some big ways. Okay, well, I love I love that. That is really <laughs> that's good. Um, so you <laughs> mentioned your I just <laughs> love it. Uh, you mentioned your parents immediately. Mm. You're like, okay, 
parents who love music. Um, were there other kind of shining, guiding lights for you, whether that was teachers or mm. composers or performers as you were growing up that like really felt like drawing you toward the musical world? Mm, absolutely. My choir teacher in high school, mm-hmm. Laura Fry, lover. Um, it, I was one of those kids who was like in her office during lunch talking about music theory and um, she really just like gave me lots of um, tools and uh, support and love um, in kind of just like diving into the things I was excited about. So I really, really attest a lot of this to her. And then artists that inspired me, um, Pentatonix was really big. Yeah. Eric Whitaker, choral stuff was really big. So much so that my Snapchat username was Wittatonix. <laughs> and you and turns out you actually can't change your Snapchat and you name. Yes. So it's they still people are like, what's wow. Whitatonix? I'm like, <laughs> you're like, I don't know. It's crazy. Like. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Sarah Bareilles too. She was big. She was big. Oh yeah. I I think for a while I had a Tumblr URL that was um, Eric Whitaker inspired. Yes. Somehow. Yes. Yeah. What was it? So, um, or is that is that information we're keeping off off the record? Well, you know, here? I'm thinking now. I don't know that I ever changed it. I think it might have been the last <laughs> Tumblr URL that I had. So um, we'll keep that. I'm gonna go ahead and keep yeah. that. Are we one. talking? Is are you talking an artsy Tumblr, a sexy Tumblr? There's lots of kind of Tumblrs. Um, you know there are, and I think I really went through every phase. <laughs> I went through every phase of <laughs> Tumblr that I could have had. Um, and well, that's all we'll say on that. <laughs> Next chapter. <laughs> I love that. I'm getting this like vision of you as like, just like soaking it up, right? Like choir vocals everything theater the drama um i'm curious if there's like a standout moment in like your early musical life where you're like this i sang this song i was in this show and like doing that made me know that this is something that i want to keep doing and like make more of than just like fun hobby i don't know that there was one moment so much as just a a deepening, a, a every month, mm-hmm. every year, just like falling deeper into love with this thing, with each new song, experience, show, ensemble. Um, yeah, it, it it didn't really seem like, um, there was never a question of, I was like, is this my thing? And never a, a, a light bulb moment. It was just like, oh yeah. Oh my God, you know what? This just reminds me of a, a story from when I was like three or four. My mom and I were just looking through, this is not an answer to that question, but it is a relevant story. Um, we were just looking through like a teacher report from when I was a kid. And um, and she finds this report from my like preschool teacher. She's like, Matt's been having a great time this year. Um, you know, there was the time he like poured sand down that kid's pants. But other than that, he's been doing great. And the happiest we saw him this whole year was when he was in a corner teaching a couple of his friends a song. Mm-hmm. And wow. I was so struck by that, like three or four. And this teacher could tell that something was lighting up in me when I was sharing music with people. And I just think that's amazing that kids will like show you who they are in really powerful ways so young. You know, I really appreciate that you 
you kind of rejected <laughs> the question of like what's one moment and talked about it like a like a deepening I think is the word you used because it that's as you spoke I'm like oh, that's also my experience like I don't mm. know if I could have just pick out one anything or if I woke up one day and was like actually this is what I need to be doing it just kind of like it just always I wanted to be putting my energy in that that way and then you put all your energy that way. You know, it's just like it you yeah. keep following the good stuff. Um mm. yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's um I often feel like I just was like, Oh yeah, like this is the thing that I want to keep doing and okay, here's how I can do it in high school. And, oh, here's how I can, like, do it. Here's a version of doing that in college. And then, like, oh, I guess I can continue to do that while not in college and figure out what shape that takes and where I can do that and what that looks like. Like, figuring out that there are still ways to do all those things and sometimes they look like particular jobs, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, that means that you're a conductor of a choir or sometimes that means you arrange for a group or whatever it is. Um but just like continuing to follow that thing. I certainly feel like maybe one day I'm going to reach the end of this, you know, this string, this thread that I'm following, mm. but you know, it's mm. been good so far. So <laughs> let's keep following it. And then like, I mean, it hasn't let, it hasn't let me down yet. I can't speak for you, Jerome, but it's like, you talk about <laughs> reaching for the end of this end of the string. Right. And it's like, the more I pull, the more stuff keeps coming. Like the more I keep being interested, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Wow. So where did we get into in the timeline of things? We are we're in <laughs> high school right now. Yeah. Is it time to go to college? Do I we think, think so. Time to pack it's up. Time. Let's pack up. <laughs> <laughs> Off to Vassar we go. And did what what were the musical what were the musical experiences in college? Are we still in a million ensembles? Are we what are we doing? Are we still <laughs> arranging Adele and Rihanna together? <laughs> You know what? It was that same. It was the second medley. Six new Adele songs. <laughs> Still, where have you been? Um, no, I, I got to college and um, I was in choir for a minute, only that first year, really. Mm. And I found myself, honestly, in general at Vassar, I found myself kind of um, disappointed in the music department in a lot of ways. It was pretty small and the right. offerings were sort of limited. And I didn't feel myself totally being challenged or or pushed or inspired in the ways I was hoping to be. And so almost all of my musical energy went into acapella. I auditioned for acapella groups. I got into the Vassar Devils. And that first year, I really was just like soaking it all in um, and started doing some arrangements for them. And then um, the second year, I was a music director and... Really, me and Hannah Tobias, who is a, one of my closest friends and collaborators, and Rumi, um, <laughs> we, yeah, we just poured so much of our musical energy into kind of seeing what we could make with the group that felt exciting, that felt like something new, that felt like taking the art form of acapella and just like expressing ourselves really profoundly in it. So we, the there was a lot of like, college acapella you know there's like a million different ideas as to <laughs> some people are there just for fun some people are there for the fam some people are there to make some cool music some people are there to sing solos it's a really challenging uh, environment to to collaborate in especially when we're all so young and so I look back on that time and 
especially being a facilitator now and like really thinking so much about making space for everybody, I look back and I have a lot of regrets as to how I led mm. that group. But I was leading from the heart and and I let us do, do some, some cool things. So we uh, competed in the ICCA, found a lot of success in that. Um, we competed in this competition boss and we won that and that a video of that set that we did um, that me and Hannah arranged kind of blew up and opened the door for me to start arranging professionally for other groups. Like people would start reaching out. And um, and so then by the time I graduated, I had kind of enough traction in that space to to be arranging in a, a big way. That is yeah. very cool. Can Can you talk more about, let's like follow the arranging story as well. Like what are you, as you now think about arranging, as like people are coming to you to to ask to arrange something, you're arranging things for like beyond just, okay, here I am with my friends and like, you know, want to sing, where have you been? But like that it, it has grown and expanded in so many ways. Um, do you have like, do you have like philosophies around arranging? Like how do you, how does that, how do you mm. factor that into yourself as a musician, as a person who like does this philosophy on arranging i've been through a, a couple philosophies mm. there was in college i remember thinking what's valuable in arranging is reinvention you know it's mm. got to be putting a new spin on the song it's got to be telling some sort of new story no chorus there can be no repeats never a repeat <laughs> yeah um and then uh and then went to hannah sound and arranging I, I thought a lot more about the audience and how to like communicate more specifically to a specific audience and sure. how to how to craft moments that would land with an audience in a particular way. I thought about arranging very much from that standpoint. And then as I arranged more professionally and just didn't have as much time and energy for it, my arrangements became a little more what felt to me as transcriptive, like hmm. a little more true to the song. And I would have a lot of imposter syndrome thinking oh God, like this isn't the crazy twists that people are maybe hoping for when they mm. hire me, but then receiving from the outside that people were like, oh, this is great. And and remembering sure. that even what we sometimes as artists think isn't that unique is still being processed through our unique cognition and instincts and musical oh, history. And, um, and now, now a philosophy of arranging. Um, I really like arranging for groups where I can know the voices mm. you know when people will send over like a google drive full of you know descriptions of each voice and the, the recordings because then it's kind of like writing for an orchestra of instruments and you know the color Ooh. you know what the flute is you Ooh. know that this Ooh. one character can hold really long high notes and so and so isn't great at rhythms but if you give them a soulful word they'll sing the word with a lot of passion and mm -hmm. it, it, it limits the box so you're like okay well i'm gonna give rebecca like some cool words and Sophie's going to be holding these high notes and having some of those limitations allows you to really like write for the instruments. Yes. Yes to that. Um, and I mean, all the kind of uh, the changes that you're describing, I like that resonate with me too, kind of in, mm. in my own arranging journey in, in different ways. Um, but I, I very much hear what you're talking about, like just getting to know the voices. I find it so hard to write for instruments and so it's just so easier so much easier to write for people and it's like i know i've got to know who you are i've got to like go to rehearsal get a recording i've got to like um yeah 
because it keeps it it keeps it collaborative um mm-hmm. which is mm. is all i got into this honestly for <laughs> yeah. totally um or else just like me in a room doing something um and i love i love hearing you like really call that part out um yeah because i think it's, it can be under underrepresented sometimes i feel like it's in in what arrangers and composers do it's like is that a collaborative thing or is it just you doing your own thing? And it's like, no, this, this really can be. Mm, it's challenging when you're no longer in the room with the people. You know, it's harder work, but yeah. Yeah. And there's, I think it can be hard for people to understand, like if you're arranging a song that someone else wrote, right? Like how is that, not what is like, literally what is creative but like what are you creating like okay you're taking mm-hmm. a, I don't know any example where have, where you, have, been? have you been by, by Rihanna <laughs> <laughs> and you're you know okay you just take the chords and you the bass is sing the bass note and then the you build up the chord and what I you know like that I think that it is easy to feel like it can it can be formulaic which then I think gets people to think understandably so and off, I mean often to great result like okay let me reinvent this song let me like use this as a base and then like create something totally new that is ostensibly where have you been by rihanna but it actually is this totally new and different thing um and i think it's actually really beautiful what you've said to like add in the layer of even if you were to i don't know sing it as a karaoke song like to take the original track and you sing over it like that is a different thing like that has created Mm -hmm. a new song um and what you said Kenyon, about it being collaborative like there are just so many so many people involved when it is like a a vocal ensemble when it's really any ensemble that it's like each person is adding a new layer and a new take and a new lens that like changes what it is and changes what your end result is um adds a new voice to the song so like making space for that as well that it doesn't just have to be like oh i have to make it sound like totally different and again i do that all the time like that is not to disparage that in any way um but that there is a level of it that's just like you're you're making space for new people to do do something new and it's familiar and it's also like a new totally different thing amen yeah on the collaborative part too you, you got me thinking jerome just like remembering why i started wanting to write stuff down for other people. It's mm. like, I, like I was so inspired by the music that everybody I was listening to was writing, like growing up and in college and now, of course, that it's like, I wanted to like, I felt like they had written me a letter and I was like, I really received this. Like you wow. wrote that and I felt that. And I want to write back to you. Like, let me join the conversation. And so like even original music still feels extremely collaborative like the act of writing, it's like I'm writing so I can join the conversation that is like going on. Yeah, that's yeah. really that's really cool. Okay, well, in in talking about collaboration, um, we've got to talk about Gaia. We've got to talk about Gaia because I it is this incredible space. I I think which to me to me coming across it and and getting to be a part of it, uh, is like a space for collaboration is it feels like you have made space for people to come together and like create 
music together in ways that, like, I don't know, it is hard to be a part of an acapella group when you're not, like, in college, right? Like, that that's a, a thing that feels, it feels like there's such a shift from being in school versus being out of school. Whoa. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, if you sing in a choir, you're either at church or you're, like, a, a paid professional choir singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did not, it was not always that way. So get, can you tell us about, like, how does Gaia come to be and... Uh, like what is it that I don't know what were you seeking to to answer or to fill or to create when you when you started and how does that relate to how you see its its function now Mm. it's really exactly what you were just saying it's it's (laughs) that that vacuum you know yeah having been through like we were just saying this like ensemble to ensemble high school to college to Mm-hmm. Like lucky enough to be in Hyannis Sound and get to, you know, yeah. be in an ensemble for a couple of years after graduating and then moving to the city and suddenly finding like, wait, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> where, where do I go? You know, like you're saying, if if you're not in a professional group or a community choir, like there's just, there's just not enough spaces for having that feeling, for getting to collaborate and sing with people and meet people in that way. And um, so it, it started, it started with me just looking at that desire within myself, recognizing that desire within some musician friends in the city and inviting some friends to my living room to come and jam. And I, at first I thought I'd maybe move to the city and, you know, start a semi-pro off acapella group and like, or like a boy band or, you know, <laughs> what I was into. And, um, but I found everyone in the city is so busy to commit to, you know, a weekly rehearsal for a thing is so challenging. Sure. And I had just been getting into vocal improvisation thanks to um, this session I sang in at Denver with this guy, Roy Wiley, and this text, The Vocal River, by a teacher of mine named Rhiannon, which is all about diving into the waters of collaborative vocal improvisation and, and the magic of that. I'm really inspired by Bobby McFerrin's work with circle singing. And and I'd been getting into that with Hyannis Sound, and, and in that group we had got to a point where we were improvising a song every single night for our audiences. Oh, wow. Um, which was just like fun. And and I was so amazed with how the, the audiences were so delighted because it was immediately present. You know, they knew something special was happening in that moment. And there's just, there's a magic in the air when that happens. And I was like, well, if we can't have an ensemble in New York, then maybe we can have that magic. So I invited like six friends to my living room and did some of these circle singing games, vocal improv stuff. It was electric, super fun, and had a couple more of that. Six became 15, became 20 friends, friends bringing friends. And um, and then this is all in 2021, kind of right as the vaccines came out. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And then that winter, we had a house show because I was like, well, the music we're making is really cool. And also all these artists have their own, you know, projects, singer-songwriter stuff, producing stuff. Let's share this with people. So we had this show which was a mix of singers, you know, sharing their original music, us doing some big covers as a group, some spontaneous improvised harmony stuff. And uh, when I shared video of us singing Maggie Rogers' Light On, you know, if you keep reaching out. Yeah. yeah. And I shared this video on TikTok and all these people were like, where do I do this? Are you doing this in Denver? Are you doing this in Boston? Like, how do I get in this room? So many people also commenting, like, um, sharing that it, like, 
what, what were people saying? It was like, it brought up a lot of religious um, mm. experiences for people and people saying like, I always wanted this feeling. This is my favorite part about being in church or in my community. Um, but I haven't been able to find it outside of that community, this feeling mm-hmm. of people just singing together. Um, and for a lot of queer people, especially who have been alienated from any religious spaces, like not seeing this, I think really resonated with people. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, shit, I guess this, <laughs> I guess there's, there, there's a nerve being struck here. And from there it was this process of starting to explore what it means to, you know, host workshops and sessions and jams and events out in the city. And, um, and now I'm finding myself like sort of accidentally an entrepreneur starting this organization. And, <laughs> um, and it's been so, just so incredible to see, um, to see the community that's being built in really powerful ways to go to these events and, and sense people being, you know, when they walk in the door, a little, little uptight, a little unsure, nervous, singing is so vulnerable, right? People come and they're like, why am I here? And then by the end, seeing people, you know, share that they feel at home for the first time in New York City or that they've been looking for something like this and have finally felt like they can express themselves or get back in touch with their voice or, you know, share an original song for the first time. And, and then coming back to the next session a month later and seeing that two people from that session have gone and got coffee since then and like really been, <laughs> right. you know, that's how community happens. Yeah. And it's been, it's just been so heart filling and mind boggling. Uh, it sounds like a dream. Um, and as just listening to you talk about that, um, like it sounds, it sounds both really organic, like the process of, how it developed you know it wasn't like something you totally planned on you know starting workshops and things like that but that organically grew out of it and also it sounds like you know it's really nourishing for people um and I'm so curious what what do you feel like is is behind that or like how how do you how are you maintaining that space um Hmm. and like what what do you feel like feeds uh or, you know, is the environment to bring people into that, like, lets them feel like they can express themselves um, while kind of keeping it, it sounds like, really unstructured. Whoa, yeah. Yeah, this is where the really thoughtful facilitation comes into play. And it's something I'm always learning about and excited about. Um, You know, facilitation just being tools for, right, facilitating, like, allowing the expression and, and growth of an organic thing, but in a way that feels like there are, there's a container, you know, mm. there's, um, there's a structure and something is being held. I like to think of the metaphor of a facilitator being a lifeguard, you know, we're diving into these waters of, of singing and, and play and improvisation. And some people are just dipping their toes in and some people are ready to dive all the way deep and, but it can be scary and overwhelming and some people are rusty and haven't swum or maybe never learned how to swim. And mm-hmm. the facilitator is there as a lifeguard to make sure people feel safe um, and to like show us where the undercurrents are. And what that looks like for me as a facilitator is, um, have any of you ever read Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering? Yes. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> that, that text really, um, so yeah. many good juicy ideas in there. Um, So I think it starts at the invitation at, you know, when people sign up for an email or see a list for an event, explaining 
what the ethos of the organization is, that we're building community through collective expression, that we're, that we're leaving perfectionism at the door and that we're mm. here to express ourselves however feels right without judgment of ourselves or others, that there are no wrong answers. And then when we get into the space, um, I like to demonstrate a lot of that in the first couple of minutes that I'm there. You know, we'll, I'll start maybe with call and response stuff. And as I'm singing, I'll pur- purposefully sing something with a huge voice crack. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. And they all go, whoa. You know, <laughs> we all get a chance to give voice to like, here's something that we've been told is really embarrassing. Let's just all do it together. Mm-hmm. This this could happen because voices are messy. Um get some of that like jitters out and then mm. really just double down express to people like this is a safe space. This is a brave space where we can express ourselves and also emphasizing every time um, encouraging people to draw their boundaries and and to say no if there's an exercise that maybe feels like too much of a stretch for them or that they just want to sit by and watch and that we affirm people saying no, drawing their boundaries because mm. I think that's really important for people be, to be able to feel safe pushing themselves or being pushed or trying something new to know that you have an out, to know that you're supported and affirmed in actually stepping back for a moment. Cause sometimes it's just a weird day or, you know, you're, yeah. it's emotional or who knows what I think about. I, I, I try and open with those moments as a facilitator. And then also something I find really important um, is to take moments to, to have some sort of sharing storytelling introduction as humans before we start to dive deeper into music and whether it's mm. an open mic or a circle sing, it, it, it changes based on how big the event is, but we'll go around, we'll all share our names and our pronouns and a sentence about our day, or we'll split up into pairs and do a rose thorn bud, you know, something good that's going on, something frustrating that's going on, something we're excited about on the horizon, something coming up and a chance to just complexify our understanding of who these people are in this room, turn some strangers into friends and then when you dive back into music, all of a sudden there isn't this competitive feeling of yeah. I have to prove myself or God, who are these people? It's like, oh, well, that's that's the guy who is having a like funny moment with his dog and that's <laughs> the human who is here for the first time and is really nervous. And, and that starts to also kind of facilitate community and release in the expression, I find. I just talked so fast for so long. <laughs> I get really I excited about facilitating. I loved every moment of it. <laughs> I I love you describing it as um as being life like a lifeguard. Mm-hmm. In particular because um I and a lifeguard does not do the swimming. Like a lifeguard makes it so that everyone can swim, right? Um Kenny and I took a a conducting class with a uh, this orchestral conductor, William Bowden, who said a thing that always sticks with me, which is that ultimately the conductor does not, unless if you're like, I don't know, in an acapella group or something, um, (laughs) the conductor does not like do the singing or the playing or the whatever. Like the conductor is there to like make sure that everyone can play and sing and create the song and create the music together. Mm. Um, But that the role ultimately is like, it it can't all be on... He was saying it in the context of, like, it is all well and good if, you know, the conductor knows all the music and knows where everyone comes in and la-la-la. The conductor does not play the bassoon or sing the soprano part or whatever it is. And so, like, needs to be facilitating for other people to do that. Um, and I just love the idea, like, 
the lifeguard is like, okay, here's what we can do. Like, it is okay if, in what you just said, it's okay if you need to sit out. It's okay if, like, you want to do this thing that you've, like, been really excited about doing. And here's how we can do it with other people and get everyone involved. Like, that just is, that feels really beautiful. Um, mm. Because then you have, you know, your beautiful, like, community pool where everyone's, like, some people are diving and some people just have their feet in the water. And, like, everyone is doing their thing. But, like, community pool, in I love together. that. That's really cool. And I will say, I, I love that. And I love that ethos. And I do think that um, facilitation, I think, at least of circle singing specifically, mm-hmm. is a little different in that I do think the facilitator is swimming. Mm-hmm. I think totally. that, totally. I think that, and that's something that I, I'm always finding the balance of is like, I've had sessions where I really just let everyone, I'm just trying to hold space and encourage other people to come forward with their ideas and other sessions where I, um, you know, and more active in, you know, offering parts or, um, or just like using my voice and like singing yeah. and, or, or expressing myself in that way. And, um, you know, I think, I think there's also beauty in a facilitator, a teacher, just like being really present in their talents, in their gifts mm. as a way to encourage other people to step into theirs. Like I've been working as a solo improviser on how to free up my own sp- improvisational spirit, song and movement and body. I just got back from this three week course in Hawaii with Rhiannon, the one who wrote the vocal river book where we were, um, that's the whole focus was just like diving deep. It's called all the way in diving deep into that relationship with our own creativity so that I can then bring that back to the circle and can, can in some ways uh, facilitate by example, by just, Instead of saying, all right, this is a safe space where you can move in whatever way you want and you can sing, just show, just do, be, go there and throw myself on the floor and roll around and belt out a crazy high note and then make up a gibberish sentence and just show, by example, you can be free, you can be wild, you can be silly, you can be emotional. Because sometimes what people need is someone to just open the door to say, we can go here, you know, Mm -hmm. look. You might, sure. you might see the door, you might be considering it, but someone sometimes just has to open the door, step through, and then the person next to you can walk through that door into a new room and they'll see a new door and they can open that door for the rest of us and doors on doors on doors. Wow. Yeah, hearing you talk about that, I'm so glad you mentioned the like kind of personal aspect of it, of facilitation for you and like the, the journey that you're also on. Um, in in holding space for everyone else there's also a role for you and a moment for you to like be courageous is what i heard and like take a first step and say this is this is also possible here too and you you mentioned kind of leaving perfectionism at the door earlier too and i'm curious like in your own personal journey as a musician like how, how has the collective uh you know, how, how have you benefited from the collective, not just like opening the space for other people to benefit and feel nourished, but like, what, what does it challenge you to do? And like, have you felt Mm. growth in that space? In so many huge ways. Oh my gosh. When I was in high school, college, post-grad, like I really was so anally perfectionistic about Mm. arranging, about music directing, you know, people who I sang with, like 
we would drill stuff into the ground because I had such a specific idea of what musical excellence sounded like and what we were capable of. And, um, and there is truth to that approach. You know, there's beauty in that approach. Um, and that's still something that I, um, you know, that is part of my psyche. But <laughs> the more that, the more that I am a part of improvisational music making spaces, the more amazed I am at like our collective human talent and intuition and creativity and the diversity of instincts and, and voices. I mean, a, a voice inherently, you know, there's, there's the sound of our singing. It is inherently unique. There's the way we use our voice. There's, which is informed by all the music we've ever listened to and loved. Mm-hmm. And when you get in these spaces where all that can be in conversation with each other, it's just so inspiring. And, and, and improvisation is inherently forgiving of mistakes because as soon as you do something, you're on to the next thing, you know? You can, you can sit there and think, oh, you know, that second piece we did, like, it didn't quite feel as electric as the third piece. But uh, Rhiannon shared with us that Bobby McFerrin used to say, you know, she'd go up to him after a concert and say, Bobby, what'd you think about that second song? And he'd go, Rhiannon, that song's on the moon by now. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. it, you improvise it and it's just, it's what matters is the moment, is the staying present with whatever music is flowing out um, and just honoring that and trying to facilitate everyone collectively kind of staying in touch with that thing and and takes really careful listening um, and moments of leadership, moments of taking up space and moments of offering space. But the more that I improvise, the more that I also find myself falling into that ethos in everyday life, you know, Mm. the more I find myself able to post a TikTok video that isn't perfect and be like, well, what if this was just like me improvising a solo where I only have one take at a Gaia event? People seem to like that. Cool. I'll put this out there. And then the internet's like, great. We like it. (laughs) You know, writing an email, like anything, all these things where when it's, when it's not happening in a flow, when it's happening alone, when it's happening on a computer, when it's, it's hard to get in touch with that flow and, Mm. And so I've been trying to bring that idea of improvisation and collaboration. And I'm kind of at a moment right now with the organization actually where, where we're, we're looking to like start collaborating in big ways. And it's a really scary moment for me as, as, a, as a creator of this project that is Guy Music Collective and yeah. recognizing in myself, you know, if this was me, five years ago, like I would hold on so tight to this project and I still have the instinct to hold on so tight to, Mm. you know, I can release in the music, but at the organization, you know, the events we host, the places, the the spaces, the emails, that I still have this instinct to want to hold on really tight. But I know that the truth is that collaborating with the other amazing creators in this community is what's going to just make even more beauty and growth and, and harmony. Hard. Hard. It's hard. (laughs) yeah i know we're I, over here like not nodding our heads and like absolutely <laughs> yes amazing it's like okay in practice yikes yeah mm-hmm. i you kind of just touched on this but i was going to ask how uh, that those those things that you you talk about taking away from vocal improvisation from circle singing um feel like necessary tools when you're doing that practice how do you do you find it difficult to also remember those things when you're doing singing that is not improvised that is 
that is mm-hmm. like okay i'm rehearsing something and trying to put something together um and and how you kind of remember those those lessons those like skills that you develop from the improvisation i haven't i can't remember the last time that i was part of um a group where I was like rehearsing, you know, a written piece for performance. Yeah. I miss that. I, I like, I hope there's still a place for that in my life somewhere, but I find, I find improvisation coming so easily into those other musical spaces. Um, anytime I'm, I'm singing a melody or uh, a solo, like it's, it's so much easier to just sing it a different way each time and just trust sure. myself that I, I feel more confidence. I feel more power within myself in those ways and um, and more trust in collaboration with other artists um, and less insecurity. Like when I was, mm. when I used to write, you know, try and write songs with people, mm-hmm. I would offer an idea and I'd be so like, oh, so hung up and like, here's this lyric idea, but I don't know. And then if they were like, okay, and then we kept moving, I'd be like, fuck, and then I'd close up like a little flower. I'd be like, I'm not going to offer any more ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, and now it's a little easier to think of it like, okay, you know, you're improvising, you you bring in an idea, it lasts for, you know, 20, 30 seconds in the flow, and then it's on to a new idea. And okay, don't have to be so precious about it. Sure. Yeah. In making that shift from those like two mind states kind of that you just described, like what what helped you? practice <laughs> mm-hmm. um just spending time in the flow and practice with groups practice on my own i've been doing um my friend simi uh invited me to like a daily improvisation challenge in january where every day it was just improvise something and share it with this group chat sure which i love that just really <laughs> beautiful practice and now me and simi are talking about maybe bringing that into gaia as like an offering to the community of like challenges like that but Loop pedal, I love playing with the loop pedal because rather than sitting at a computer with a DAW or a, a, you know, an arrangement, mm-hmm. when it's on a loop pedal, it the music is living, music is mm-hmm. going and doesn't stop. And so it helps to bring you into that, okay, just keep going, keep going, yeah. just keep following the ideas instead of start, stop, start, stop, think, 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 think. Um, yeah, everyone should be looping. Looping so much fun. <laughs> everyone should be looping. We do love looping. <laughs> <laughs> and also would help me get rid of the perfection, or not get rid of, but um, I've honestly like gotten to a point where um, arranging has gotten really hard for me because mm. it's so different from the headspace of all this music flow. Um, it really, it asks of me, it just like puts me right face to face with that perfectionism. And... Um, and it's so lonely. You're just there with your laptop. And so I, I took a break from it to like give myself some base to like, okay, just like sit in this improvisational feel and then eventually come back to arranging with like just a little bit of a, a clean slate, sure. um, which felt really scary to do because it was like my identity for 10, 15 years. Like, I'm an arranger. Yeah. But that's felt good. Yeah, I feel you, especially when for me, it's the page. Just like the having to make a make a choice. It's like I'll sit, I'll sit and just sing and play and be like, ooh, that was a great version of that song. <laughs> like, did you even and even if I do record it, you know, me improvising, it, it feels 
it's not just hard, but it feels wrong to then try to put that down on the page mm. in a certain way. Um, it's like I'm, I'm, you know, constantly negotiating that relationship with like written mm-hmm. music um, and improvised music, um, trying to find the the marriage, the balance. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that almost, I don't know, there is like an instinct all the way back at the like, you know, in arranging and thinking, okay, I need to like totally reinvent this song. I just remember the many times that I was like, okay, like here's one idea for the chorus. But then there's this other idea that I have for the chorus. So we have to do that one too. And then like, but it, I could also do the chorus in this other way. And so now we have these three t- different choruses that like, how do I honor all the different, you know, all the different states of being that Ooh. this could be in that, yeah, that that recording or putting down on the page or saying like, this is the thing that it is. I don't know. It's like the, there's some sort of like Schrodinger's cat something that like, if you don't <laughs> say it's something in particular, then it could be anything. It could like be all these mm. different things and could be all of them at once. Um that like once you then put it on the page, it's like, oh well, that's just one of them. And that's nice, but like one that's is it. not better than like all the things that it could be. Oh, that's it. It yeah. feels like you're it feels like dis- distilling this this infinite creative possibility that lives in our souls yeah. and our awareness of like, I can I have all this that I could bring to this song, and just diminishing it to just one of those things, which to us feels like a diminishment or at least to me it does, but to the world is a gift. The world is like, well, we didn't hear any of these ideas before they came out of your head. So like, thank you. But, you know, that's, I feel this way all the time with with recording songs in the studio. I still haven't released any original music because I'm like, well, every time I sit down and play at the piano, it comes out a little different. But to yeah. pick the way that everyone's going to hear this on Spotify forever yeah. is just horrifying. It feels like such a disservice to the song. Yeah. And it is funny when like, I, I certainly have had the experience of whether it was in acapella groups or with friends, original music or covers or anything, like hearing them do something a couple of times in person, like live and feeling like I have my favorite, ooh, I like love it when they sing this way or I love it when they do this option or whatever. Um, and then they choose different options that become like the options that are on that recorded version, mm. which is lovely, but it's like, oh, wait, like, but that's not the one that like I really liked. Um, mm. And that that that's part of the, you know, thank God that things can live many, many lives. Um, because things can, there are so many ways for them to like exist and come to fruition and be realized. You're also making me think of just like how the performers, whoever you're writing for, like, give them space for those options yeah. that you're talking about. Like, and if it's, if it's, you know, jam packed, um, <laughs> this is, you know, this is me talking to myself really. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I find like, okay, great. I, you know, you do that thing, you come up with four different choruses, you pick all the best bits, you combine them all into one amazing chorus. Nah. And there's just no space for anyone to have their, to follow their own path in that. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just so much of what I love about singing is that is the being in the moment aspect of it and letting it be different each time and finding those options that it's like, oh, I remember that one time in, you know, you did that like yeah. four performances ago. And it's like, I, if it's, uh, if it's, if it's jam packed, there's just no space for 
anybody else to do that. Even if you, the mm-hmm. arranger or writer, got to be, you know, you got to do all of it. It's like, wait, I'm actually providing, I'm a facilitator here on the page. I'm holding space on the Whoa. page for people. And it, it, it's just, that's something that's really happening for me right now. Yeah. That just made me think what I just had a vision of like, you know, writing an arrangement for a group and, and really leaning into that, you know, writing here are, here are notes that each of the part, like just, you know, whole notes for each of the parts, find a rhythm that feels right. And a syllable that feels right. Here are your pitches or, you know, get to a section and saying, um, here's the bass and percussion and then altos come up with some, some run that you like. And then this next measure, sopranos and tenors harmonize with the riff that the altos came up. Like, what would that look like? Yeah. That would be crazy. Ooh, I love that, that is the question. What would that look like? It, it, <laughs> so, asks, you know, it, it asks more of the group, but also provides more space in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And like ask more of us as like notation people to like figure yes. out a way to communicate beyond just the like, I know exactly what is happening at every single moment in time in this uh. piece. Um, you know, it's like, what if, what else can we put on the page? Oh, and it also, that's just, now I'm really thinking about this because I look at arrangements I've written and so often the background parts are just singing like me, you know, like they're doing mm. these little runs and riffies that feel really right in my voice. Mm. But like, then I hear it and I'm like, oh, this doesn't quite sound intuitive in their voices. Yeah. Well, of course not. Cause I like really leaned into my voice, which is also part of what they're asking for when you ask an individual to arrange. So there's a line there, but I guess maybe curious to blur that line of like bringing in our own voice, inviting, expanding how much to invite an ensemble's voice in. Good for thought, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Something to think about. Um, Okay, let's, this is, a perfect segue um, to talk a little bit more about collaboration to talk about like it, it feels like, and and as you described it, that Gaia is a way to like to seek out and establish and maintain community um, and to seek out people to be a part of that community. Um, but, but can you talk a bit more about like, I don't know, what, what do you seek in, collaborators what do you seek in uh members of a musical community like who are who are the types of people that you'd want to work with or want to surround yourself with mm. i think through through guy music collective i'm really interested in just connecting with like as many people as possible sure. uh, a wide net diversity of experiences voices and then in my personal you know in my personal practice and musical world I'm really excited by musicians who are really sensitive mm. listeners and responders, people who are intuitive and will will listen to what an idea is and kind of fold themselves into it in a way that is, yeah, just sensitive to what the music is asking for, mm. um, as opposed to musicians who are are really assertive and kind of dominating in in what they're offering. And then, you know, it, there's balance in all these things. You want everyone to at times be assertive and at times be um, supportive. But yeah, I, just, I really love singing and, and creating with folks who are really sensitive listeners. 
and just being around friends and humans who are really sensitive yeah. listeners, you know, good way to be. Listening is underrated. I'm just going to say it. That is so true. Here on this podcast where we get together and speak at people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find you guys to be great listeners. Oh, thank you. What? What'd you say? <laughs> what was that? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Um, I mean, we kind of got into a little bit of this too. We were talking about uh, when you had your arrangement idea here on the show, live on the show. But I'm, I'm curious, time. like, what in Gaia or maybe even beyond Gaia, like, what's something that you're like, I want to try my hand at creating this? Mm. Mm. I'd really love to to be part of like a dedicated uh, improvisatory ensemble mm. where like Gaia, Gaia has touched that at moments, but I think like a separate project of, of a community of people where we just like get really practiced at understanding each other's patterns, developing mm. symbols, like gestures or ways to communicate to each other to like signal shifts into certain things in our bag of tricks and, and then being able to be really present with an audience and, you know, inviting the audience to tell a story or share an idea, a, a, a phrase, a word, and then spin music out of that and with the audience, I think would be really, really cool. Um, I have a friend, Tracy Robertson, who's amazing. Check him out at The Vocal Bloom um, on Instagram. Ooh. And he's an incredible improviser, circling facilitator. He's really interested in, um, like, improvisation as ritual for important life moments, weddings, wow. births, deaths. Can you imagine like a, a group of people just like singing you through as you give birth or as you, as you pass, as you're married, like spontaneous, sensitive song for those life moments. I think that's a fucking miraculous idea. Wow. Um, that genuinely, I'm thinking about like, like at a funeral that you would like gather and like create that's really bringing a tear to my eye like that is feels fantastically powerful mm. yeah and a really big responsibility for those those people but yeah but really cool possibility i'm also excited by some non-musical stuff Ooh, like really? i really want to i that? really want to make um this probably is going to be copyright infringement, but you guys know the game Mario Party? Of Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to do a Mario Party party where you put little circles around the house and then there's like, so you and your friends all come in costume and you're like hopping from circle to circle. There's mini games that you play on each oh circle. Um, and like you're collecting stars throughout the night. And I, I want to try this. And then my idea was to like make videos of it, put it on TikTok. If people liked it, make a little like box set that people could yeah. get to like, but I realized halfway into this idea that Nintendo like would not let that happen or they'd steal the idea for themselves and make lots more money off of it. <laughs> but Mario Party Party could be really fun. I mean, if you did it in the right way, they might contact you to be like, can you help us develop our own version? <laughs> Maybe. You know, Maybe. We can really, we'll cross our fingers that, that Nintendo or that any corporation would not say, <laughs> ooh, Let's take that idea someone else made for free. <laughs> but like, isn't that what corporations kind of do? Yeah. Or, I, yeah. I, think so. I mean, yes, absolutely. But then they need someone to do it well. And if you are just That's doing true. it so well, 
they're just like, you know what? It would be easiest for us. Just pay this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think well, you should, in that case, you should just do it first. So instead of Mario Party, it's you know, it's I don't know, uh, it's Matt, Matt Party. Party. It's Matt <laughs> oh Party. Gosh. It's Welcome me, but Matt's like Party. with suspenders, a mushroom, yeah. and a little, little hat. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, it's a me, a Matt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'd be there. I'm waiting for my invite to the Matt Party. <laughs> Matt Party Party. Matt, Matt Party, Party, Party Party. Wow. Yeah. Hashtag Matt Party Party. <laughs> mm. that's important so yeah vocal improvisation group and mario party party these are the ideas <laughs> amongst, amongst other things that's what's next on the docket i love it <laughs> mm. matt what what's what, where next do you take circle singing where next do you take all this work that you're doing all this vocal improvisation work that you're doing yeah i've been thinking a lot about just like what kind of spaces would benefit from mm this kind of practice, this kind of facilitated musical exploration. I think there's so many schools, um, whether that's like ensembles, you know, college, could be college acapella groups, maybe high yeah. school choirs or um, choir conferences, places where like to give students and give teachers and educators some of these tools for just unlocking freedom of expression and, and listening in this way. Mm-hmm. I also think there's maybe some like, um, like business places, corporations, uh, companies, organizations, nonprofits um, that could really benefit from the kind of communication and connection that that vocal improvisation, this practice can like really facilitate. And then there's a bunch of question marks, like what would it mean to take this practice to a prison, to some place where people can't get out and access musical community, to a homeless yeah. shelter, to... Um, uh, to invite, you know, recent immigrants who speak different languages to come and sing in their native language. And even if we can't, you know, share the English language, we can share the language of music. Like, so many ideas, so many possibilities. I love Circle it. singing everywhere, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's exactly like what I've heard other practitioners of, of circle singing, like, say. It's like this... This could just be everywhere. All you need are just people, you know? Mm. That's all you need. Yeah. Preach. I love that. I, I'm also thinking about, I don't know, the other, the things that typically, like, people do on their retreats as, you know, a their corporate retreats or whatever um, that are so, I don't know, not fruitful <laughs> um and that this would be well the opposite of that and so i love that you mm. said oh. things that are bad you want things, well, <laughs> things that are i didn't bad. quite say things that are bad <laughs> but uh. um, things that are interesting <laughs> interesting uh, and retreats oh he said retreats i love a retreat a chance to just like get away from the world oh yeah uh, just got back from this retreat in hawaii would love to be helping to host and facilitate like get away into the woods somewhere, mm. be in nature, cook together, and sing and connect and decompress. Ah, oh, what a dream. Gosh. Wow. Yes. It's like you're reading my dream journal, actually. <laughs> Come through! <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been such a delight. Such a wonderful... Really and truly. It really like, has. Just a beautiful confluence of thoughts and ideas, and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, it's so easy and fun to talk to you guys. 
Well, thank you for coming on and doing it. Thank you for coming and speaking with us. Um, it's really a pleasure. <laughs> I feel I'm pleasure. like, okay, I'm going to listen back to this and take notes. and Right, exactly. <laughs> this has been the master class. Oh, absolutely. And when I'm in New York next, I'll have to, have to, have to come mm. pick you up. Please do, please do. Would love to sing with you. Um, to the folks listening at home, I should people can follow you on Instagram. Does that is that the place to find you? Yeah, Instagram at Heart of Goldstein. <laughs> um, also TikTok. Working on a website. Um, you can also find Gaia Music Collective on those places at Gaia Music Collective. G A I A. And most importantly, um, if you YouTube search Pitch Please. Where have you been, Adele? <laughs> That's the good shit. Now, if it's on YouTube, we're linking it in the in the oh. description. Oh, oh honey. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> the view count is about to go up from 2000 to 2004. <laughs> <laughs> Great year. Great year. <laughs> Adele was really doing some shit in 2004. <laughs> well, apparently she? she wasn't. Because where is she? Where has she been? Mm-hmm. Where have you been? Oh, don't go, go, don't We love that you love, we love that. This podcast is brought to you by Jerome, that's me, and Kenyon, that's him. With music by Sophia Campomore and art by Griffin Keller. Drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Okay, sing. Um, <laughs> Jerome, the amount of times that I, um, that has made it in my vocabulary and also <laughs> say that. Say that. Say that. Um, I I think I told you this at some point that I really move through language. (laughs) That I mean, I will say something really consistently for all of three weeks and then totally leave it behind. That's you are a culture maker. Okay. Yes. Say that. Say that. (laughs) I am. That's how it happens because you give it to people and then they spread it and they're like, my friend Jerome, but you're already on something new. You can't be tamed. Hey, Have you been down? That is so true. And I'm so glad that you said it. Because someone should be saying it. Improvising with okay. the, the medium of language itself, even. <laughs> are, the, are, the, are the cameras still rolling? You are a culture maker. <laughs> <laughs>